welcome to The Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Ben Garmo. And I'm Drew Evans. Well, Drew, as we mentioned on our most recent episode, uh, it is officially Nationals season. By the time that our listeners are hearing this, Nationals will be barely a day away. And so, of course, we had to take the opportunity to jump on the mics and break down the Nationals field and look forward to what is sure to be a fantastic tournament. Uh, whenever we do our Nationals preview episodes, we always like to have on who we think is going to have an interesting and unique perspective on Nationals and how this year is going to go. And so we are thrilled to be joined by Henry Lehman. Uh, Henry was a competitor at Miami of Ohio for several years. He won several awards uh, at Miami, including two different all-region awards, both as an attorney and as a witness. Uh, and then after graduating, he went on to Notre Dame Law School, where he eventually started coaching at the University of Notre Dame. Uh, since graduating, he's now doing a judicial clerkship, and he's actually remotely coaching uh, from a location far away from Notre Dame and doing some telecoaching. So we're excited to hear about that. Uh, and of course, Notre Dame is such a successful program that that has had a lot of success over the last couple of years and will be at Nationals this year. So we're thrilled to have Henry on to chat about that. So Henry, thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course. Long time listener, first time caller. Happy to be here. Hey, there you go. We're, we're glad to have you on. And of course, in addition to all of your other uh, bi- biographical accomplishments, your most important one is that you're a gold patron of the Mock Review, um, which just makes us sound like you can pay for access now, which probably didn't sound like <laughs> I intended it to. But we're really th- thrilled to have you on the show. We appreciate the support. Uh, so let's go back to the beginning the way we do with all of our guests. Can you give us your origin story and how you started in Mock Trial? Yeah. So I, um, you know, like a lot of people who've come on before, I got involved in high school. I fell in love with the activity for largely the same reason that I still love it. Um, it's an activity that it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. It doesn't matter if you've done it before, if you're the child of attorneys or, you know, fresh off the street, anyone can have a good idea on any given day. And so I worked really hard and they said, Henry, we want you on the team. You're the timekeeper. <laughs> um, and from there, I, I just fell in love with the activity, you know, and went to Miami, competed there. Um, made some absolute great friends and memories and then uh you know eventually got back into AMTA after a few years away um my third year of law school at Notre Dame and so nowadays as i say i'm you know i'm down in mississippi uh just joining practices via zoom and doing a lot of commenting on google docs so you know i'm glad you brought that up at the end there cuz uh, i'll just kind of follow up with you on that real quick before we talk about nationals you know i think prior to the pandemic and zoom mock trial Remote coaching was was not that much of a thing, and I think a lot of people didn't think it was really possible, but obviously we all saw what Zoom mock trial is like and kind of how that can be. So how has it been like transitioning from, obviously you did some in-person coaching when you were at Notre Dame Law, to now doing virtual coaching? Do you feel like there's a big difference between the two, and do you feel like you've still been able to be effective, uh, even though most of the time you're not in the same room? Yeah, so I actually, I asked the, I asked the program that quite frequently. Um, I think there are, you know, there are some limits. And I think the biggest ones are like the um, sometimes emotions don't come across very clearly uh, or sometimes, you know, things just hit differently in a room. But overall, the students tell me that they've almost noticed no difference. They think it's a lot more convenient and it saves the program money because then they can have coaches uh, watch tournaments remotely as opposed to having them like paying for hotel rooms, having them get time off of work. Um and so it's really been kind of seamless for us. They really haven't had any concerns uh, about it. And, you know, it, we think it's been a really good, flexible option. Well, that's really interesting. And I think that's something that folks around the country can kind of learn from. And and I think it's an option that a lot of people are thinking about. 
you know, Drew, I know obviously you were busy with, with Tyler Nationals, but, but Haverford is, is going to Nationals and I know that's been really exciting. So, um, you know, have you been in touch with them? Have you been working with them? And how is, has Haverford feeling as, as the national championship tournament is just a, a couple days away? Well, it's funny. I just last night actually was able to sit in on a run through that they were doing and they're in a really good place. Um, one thing that I will tell people, um, I, I think that I'm, I, I'm fine saying this and this isn't revealing any of Haverford's cards, but, um, they make really cool demos. And if you faced them in regionals, um, you probably saw the cool demo that they did then. But my hat is really off to, uh, their, their, one of their presidents and, and captains of the team, Cece. I know that she's kind of the, the brains behind it. And she always comes up with these really cool looking demos that I think, um, are really making kind of a unique and just kind of, uh, I, I like to think of it as a, their stylistic touch and, and that that's kind of what they're bringing to the table. Um, I think that I very rarely see them do just kind of a words on a board type of approach. They're much, they're always going to try to do something a little bit more fun than that. And I love it. I think it's really cool to see and it makes it very engaging. So I'm excited to see uh, how they end up doing, but I can tell you from watching them that they're, they're a very solid group and they're in a really good spot and I can't wait to, uh, yeah, to just to see how it all ends up working out for them. I think that in general, this Nationals case uh, has been a lot of fun to to look at and to read through. Obviously, we just spoke with Justin and Sarah in our last episode, and that was really great to get to a little bit of insight from them. But I think that it's going to be a really interesting case to see how the Nationals field deals with it. And I, I will admit that, especially from watching the Haverford kids uh, and their approach, I think that there's a really tough gap of people that know what legal malpractice actually means and what that would traditionally look like and what this case typically looks like. And I guess for anyone that is listening to this that is hasn't started competing yet, which I, I kind of expect that this will be out in the middle of nationals. But um, if it is out before it, my advice to everyone is to to look up and understand what legal malpractice really is and be able to describe to the judges, whether it's in pretrial or opening, how that is different from the standard in this case. Um, I do think that it's important because I think it's very easy for a judge who doesn't understand the the nuances of this case to hear a legal malpractice case and then be very taken aback um, as they're hearing how this case proceeds and surprised by a lot of the things that happen. So that's just kind of my two cents um, and, and some of my takeaways from watching what I've seen so far. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I totally agree with you about the conversation that we had with Sarah and Justin. I thought they had some really interesting insights on how this case was created and just kind of how they think it makes sense for people to approach the case in a number of different ways. Uh, Henry, I'm sort of interested in the same thing on your end. Again, you know, we know nobody's going to tip their hand on strategies or anything like that, but I'm sure you've been working with your crew at Notre Dame and you're excited to see them get to Memphis. So, so how are you feeling? How's your team feeling as, as you get ready to go to nationals? Yeah, we're excited. I'm especially excited for the first tournament I can attend by driving to it. Um, so that's, that's pretty exciting for me. And I, I second Drew's comments. Like I'm very grateful to the case committee, uh, for Justin and his team for bringing in a really unique, uh, case style. And I'm really looking forward to seeing like one thing I do really like about it is that it, 
we're dealing with an area of law that can be kind of complicated. And I think that's going to really help in, you know, the crammed four week time frame that we've had. It's going to really separate teams out. The teams that are able to kind of come up with those creative case theories that are simple, effective ways of presentation. I'm really looking forward to seeing what people bring to the table. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that that Nationals already does that. But then the nature of this case could do that even more. Um, and I think that polish and and legal precision and theory precision, which are always at such high value at Nationals, uh, could be even more important. Uh, so I think it's going to be a really interesting tournament. And I promise for our listeners, we're going to do something really fun in just a few minutes that's going to get into a lot more detail about how we think this Nationals could go. Before we get to that, though, we just did want to talk about one thing, uh, and that's the one sanction that occurred that influenced uh, and affected the Nationals field. We're not going to go into great detail on this, but we just feel like as a mock trial podcast that covers the Amter world, we, we do need to mention it. Uh, and that's the fact I think pretty much everyone who's listening uh, is probably aware of this fact. But but, you know, when we released our Orcs week two episode, we didn't yet know that this was going to occur. Uh, University of Maryland College Park, our good friends right up the road, uh, had earned a Nationals bid. And after a sanctions decision by AMTA, they were basically, they had ballots removed from them in round four, which were then added to NYU and allowed NYU to get a second bid to nationals. You know, ordinarily sanctions are, are anonymous, but, uh, you know, in this case, obviously there's not really any way for it to be anonymous because of the, you know, the direct, uh, nature of it and the fact that it impacted two teams. The only thing that I'm going to say, and then I'll kick it to you, Drew, before we get to the fun stuff, you know, I know and like both Maryland and NYU. I'm not going to say anything bad about either program. I don't have the slightest clue what happened in that round, and I'm not going to speculate speculate about it. I am a bit surprised that we haven't gotten anything in terms of any details from AMTA uh, at this point, you know, before nationals. I imagine we'll get something at some point. And it's not like we're all owed like juicy details or anything like that. But when something impacts the nationals field, right? The actual, the, the, the specific teams that are going to nationals, it feels like, like some acknowledgement from AMTA, aside from like two lines and a tab summary, it's just a little weird to me. I just feel like those teams maybe are owed a little bit more of a public explanation. Uh, and it was a little bit strange to me. Uh, but that's just kind of my thoughts on it. Drew, how, what's your reaction to that whole situation? Yeah. So first of all, I really agree that I think it's doing the teams a disservice by not giving any sort of guidance because it, it really, it, it breeds this kind of speculation about, well, wow, I've read all the other things that people did wrong that, you know, got such and such sanction. They must have done something way worse if it's, you know, I mean, and I just, I think that it's not, yeah. it's not fair to those teams. Um, and there's also the other side of it of someone maybe saying like, oh, how petty that this team is bringing this complaint. Like it was probably nothing. You know, it just, I think that let's, let's find out what actually happened and let people, you know, base their opinions right, wrong or whatever on the actual facts rather than, you know, literally having nothing. And the other thing that I'll say about this is just, I think that it's also unfair to everyone else competing because we, it is clear based on the number of advisory opinions that have been offered that there are a lot of people that their understanding of the current invention rules are very different from the CIC's understanding. And at the end of the day, 
who is right wrong is really in the minds of the CIC. And the more that they tell us, this is what we think, this is how we're thinking about it, this is what we punish, this is why we're punishing it, that helps people to better understand the way that they're approaching the rules. And I just, it it is so odd to me that they wouldn't want people to get a better understanding of how they think about the rules. And it's just such a good chance to say, hey, this is another example of what is not okay. So people can get that, okay, well, that's another data point that I now have of what I can or cannot do. And I guess that especially in approaching nationals with the kind of ad hoc committees that are going to be happening for in-tournament review and the kind of almost moot courting that is going to occur if there is a um, complaint where people need to kind of argue their their positions. Um, you know, I feel like part of that needs to be an understanding of what is the this committee looking for? What does this committee believe is problematic enough to warrant changing a ballot? You know, I think that that is just such invaluable information for people to make more uh, compelling and more accurate arguments. So I just, I, I find this whole situation a little bit puzzling because at this point, the only time that we have gotten like concrete, this was enough to warrant, um, you know, the changing of a ballot. And this is the example we have is, you know, the round that shall not be named in the Yale Rhodes nationals round. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think that I, I think that we deserve more data points than that. Frankly, I think that a lot of the more recent decisions show that the CIC's view on invention is is a, is much uh, more precise than the examples that we got in that round. So anyway, I, I just I really wish that they had published this opinion sooner. I hope that um, they do it at least after nationals just for everyone's benefit. But uh, I, I don't like when we're in the dark about these things, and I think that people deserve to know. Um, Henry, uh, I know that you know Ben and I sometimes like to, to delve into these topics, but I'll kind of throw it to you if you have any uh, other thoughts about this sanction. I mean, I'm always game to talk about the game within the game. Like it's, and I've made this joke in our in the mock review Discord. So there's a plug for you guys. Um, that it, the CIC, you know, they're doing hard work, uh, you know, remember, always sympathetic to AMTA because they're, you know, they're volunteering their time to try to make this national competition work, but it is getting more complicated. Um, and it almost, I make the joke that it's almost running like a court of appeals, um, with, you know, retracting certain opinions. We have a lot of language going on. I sometimes get confused on, like there are certain rules are proposed at board meetings that aren't followed through. And so I have to be constantly checking them and I'm, I'm the coach. So it's definitely one of those things I echo that for one of the most public sanctions we've had, it would be nice to have it before we do the CIC inter tournament trial run. But, you know, I'm also, you know, uh, sympathetic to the fact that they may have other things they're dealing with right now and, you know, getting the CIC inter tournament, um, framework set up for its first ever one at the highest profile tournament we have i definitely get that and i think it goes to you know kind of the stuff the discussions that we've seen at all the amp to board meetings you know there's a lot of confusion even among board members about what the the rules can be at times and so i'm eagerly looking forward to the memo uh to learn more about you know kind of what happened what rules are in play um i know it's a very busy time for you know, 
coaches, people affiliated with programs. And I'm sure for the pe- people who like people who aren't or volunteer their time, they're usually practicing attorneys. So they've got a lot on their plate as is. Yeah. You know, uh, I'll say this, you know, and, and Drew, actually, I might be interested in your thoughts on this since you're more in the law school world. You know, I, look, I totally agree, Henry, with what you're saying that like all deference and, and respect to the time commitment of of the CIC folks. I know many of the folks on the CIC and I have a tremendous around, amount of respect for them. But I've talked about this on the podcast before. It's something I want to get into more of maybe over this summer uh, since I'm now more of a of a law school coach, especially moving forward. The protest culture at the law school level sucks. It sucks so hard. It's the worst. I hate it so much. And it's only getting worse at that level. And while I think that AMTA is equipped to toe up to the line and maybe not go all the way over it, um, I'm sure some would disagree about that. But like I, I generally think that that's the case. It's a very fine line. I'm not going to use the whole slippery slope fallacy, but like it is a fine line where you know, this becomes a, you know, everybody run to the CIC type of situation, you know, Justin in the episode that that will be out by the time we, you know, as by the time this one is out, you know, says he hopes the CIC process isn't used. I hope so too. I'm pretty damn sure it's going to be used if I've met the competitors that that competed national. So, you know, Drew, I know that you're sort of uh, immersed in the law school world, but any thoughts on that before we move on to our, to the fun part of this episode? I mean, I'll just briefly say that I, I totally understand what it is that you're talking about, Ben, and I, I don't disagree. And it is a, 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 an important concern. Uh, you know, I think that I don't want to call it the glory days, but I think that there was something glorious about um, some of the late um, 2010s decade of mock trial before we got really uptight about a lot of these inventions and, and started having more of these sanctions. Um, and I'm not trying to, to, you know, whatever I, you know, people know that the disclaimer is the usual, but I really do think that there was something really cool about teams being really creative and not having as much fear around it. And I just, whenever I watch teams go now, whether it's in scrimmages or in practices, um, I just, there's such a, prevalent concern of, oh, well, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want this to get sanctioned. And I think that it's, you know, it's good in terms of, I don't think people should be cheating. And I think that there are like pretty clear things that aren't okay, but I just, I worry that it is stifling some of the creativity and taking some of the beauty of what this, this competition is away and turning it to a certain extent more into the, you know, law school, just do the basics, do the the thing the most clear way that's going to not get you into any trouble. Um, you know, you just don't see the the fun, interesting theories in the law school world, the law school world as often for a lot of those reasons. So I, I hope we we find a way to get back to a place where people feel comfortable and feel confident doing fun, interesting theories and enjoying mock trial. But I do also want to make sure that people aren't blatantly cheating so you know i i don't know it's it's tough and i'm honestly glad that i'm not the only person or the person at all that has any say over what amta should do yep it's complicated difficult subject and certainly the three of us are not going to solve it in one podcast episode but you know those were just we just felt like it was important to chat about that issue for a few minutes because it's obviously something that's on the forefront of everyone's mind all right we we have other stuff to talk about 
We do, in fact, have other stuff to talk about, um, and we've got good stuff to talk about now. So let's get to the fun part of this episode. So here's what we're going to do on this episode for the last little bit. Uh, we came up with this idea a couple weeks ago. We approached Henry. He was game to join us for it. So we are going to do a draft of teams in the Nationals field. Uh, that draft is going to go like this. We have in front of us in each of our screens the 48 teams and Nationals in TPR order. We are each going to get six picks. We'll go in order. Henry, as our guest, is going to go first, and then Drew will go second, then myself, but it'll be a snake draft. So in round two, it'll, you know, the order will reverse. Um, and we just got a couple of rules. Uh, there's five picks, and then our sixth pick is what's called a dark horse pick, which means that it has to be from the bottom 24 in TPR in the field. I'm sure by that point, some of those teams will be off the board, but all three of those last picks have to be from the bottom 24. Uh, can't pick your own team, so Henry can't have Notre Dame, Drew can't have Haverford, um, and then we can't have any same school picks. So if someone takes a school's A team, they can't also take that school's B team, just to kind of try to keep it interesting a little bit. Uh, one last disclaimer, and then I'll kick it over to Henry to do our number one pick. Uh, obviously, over the course of six picks for the three of us, that's 18 teams. There's 48 teams in the field. There are 30 teams that we're not going to take. Please don't be offended. Please don't hate us. We're only taking 18 teams. This is such an incredibly deep and tough field. And so if we don't take your team, it's not a personal insult, insult towards you. It's just us doing our best and wildly speculating. So Henry, uh, because you're our guest, we've given you the honor of putting you on the spot uh, and making you have the first overall pick. So I hope you've spent the day fretting about it and thinking about it. And I'll kick it to you for your for the first overall pick and the Mock Review National Draft. With the first overall pick of the Mock Review Nationals draft, Henry Lehman selects uh, the University of Chicago A. And uh, let me explain, uh, this is not that, I don't think, terribly uh, terribly surprising to see them up near the top. You know, the national final runner-ups, um, we had the great privilege of hitting them this past year, and we've scrimmaged them uh, in the past. And I think UChicago is really poised to do well at this Nationals for two reasons. Number one is they really have a lot of depth. It's kind of every archetype that a team needs, uh, different kinds of cross-examinations, different kinds of witnesses. I think University of Chicago is able to pluck that. You know, Max, Juliana, Sam, Judy, you know, you've just got a deep team all around with some of the best experience you can ask for, short of a national championship. And, you know, they've already had uh, some good success this season. You classic wins, uh, six wins out of St. Paul. So for that reason and, you know, from hitting them, they are incredibly nice. They're a fun group to be with. I think that's going to help them in the South. So I'm picking the Maroons as my top pick. All right. Well, with the, the second overall pick in the Mock Review Nationals draft, I'm going to select the team that beat U Chicago last year, Harvard A. I know it, it really is just a, a out of the blue pick here. Um, and look, I think that there's a reason why so many people had Harvard at the top of their boards. Um, there's a reason why I'm picking them second here. Look, there is no substitute for nationals experience. Sure. The rest of the year matters. It shows how you can do with that you know, regionals and orcs case. Nationals is a new case. It's a new beast. You've got, you know, weeks instead of months to prep it. And when you win it all one year and return pretty much everyone, 
that's a good sign to me. That is a sign that that is a group that knows what needs to happen to get there and is going to get it done. I acknowledge that this Harvard team is going to be a combination of the B team that got the bid and then a few of those, you know, kind of star powered members of their A team. Um, I, you know, the fact that Harvard's B team did as well as it did at regionals and orcs should answer all of the concerns people have about, oh, Harvard A didn't make it out of orcs. Okay, well, this is the team that did, plus all those incredible stars, Travis, Audrey, I could go on. Um, I think that Harvard is, if ever a team was poised to repeat, it's probably this Harvard team. And I, I have a lot of faith in them. I think that they're going to pull it off. I will say that, you know, I think that the Memphis style of of judging might be a little bit for them to adjust to. But at the end of the day, good mock trial is good mock trial. And when you're a talented advocate like they are, I think that they can adapt. I think they can succeed. And I think that they are a solid first pick for my team. All right. I like it. We have both our national champion, our defending champion and our national runner up off the board. Um all right, so this goes to me, and I get two picks in a row because we're snaking, so it'll be my two, and then we'll go back to Drew. So my first pick, I was hoping this team would be on the board. They're still on the board, and I'm going to take the only team in the country that went 8-0 and at Orcs, and of course, that would be the Bulldogs of Yale University. Uh, I've thought very, very hard about this first pick, thinking that maybe Harvard and or Chicago would be off the board and just figured at the end of the day, if I'm picking a national champion and I'm not picking Yale, what am I doing here? Uh, so I'm going to take Yale off the board first. Um, I'll go to my next pick in a second, but you know, Drew as, as a lifelong hater of Yale, any, any reactions to, to that pick? How do you, how do you feel about it? <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll give you this reaction. I think that you can't go wrong picking Yale. You're right that they went 8-0 and and they swept Patrick Henry at Oryx. That's super impressive. Um, obviously, you know, you can't get much more pedigree than you get from Yale. To me, um, at least for why I took Harvard over them, um, I, I just, I worry that nationals prep is very, very different from orcs prep and that this Yale team is yet the, the current competitors on this Yale team are yet to really show a lot of success at nationals. Um, they did fine, but not, you know, I mean, obviously it was the first year in what, like five, six years that they weren't in the final round. So I guess if that's my definition of not as good, but, um, I, I, I do think that, Obviously, Yale is a great pick, and I'm excited to see these new gr- this new group kind of be their own trailblazers. But um, I think that that's kind of why I took Harvard over them um, is just the the Nationals experience alone. Yeah, and I'll kind of kind of jump in to de- uh, defend my pick a little bit. Uh, in that one of the like these are some of the three most talented and pedigreed teams we have going into this competition. You know, Yale, of course, with its history of getting to the national final round in the new case era serves them especially well Harvard as well with uh, up there along with like a few other schools. I think one thing that only gave me a little bit of pause was I've been on a program that has had twice the B team gets the bid over the A team. And I've seen it happen to a lot of programs and I don't have any personal information as to how Harvard's responding to it. But that for me gave me a little bit of a pause. I do think though, like 
their Harvard B team is absolutely phenomenal. Like we had the great, uh, great pleasure of not hitting them all season, which made me very happy. Um, they were at Yale and I actually, one of my students is a good friend with one of their competitors and we just hear nothing but positive things. I'm very excited to see, uh, how Harvard does this, uh, this upcoming weekend. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't think anyone can quibble with Chicago or Harvard, you know, being the first two picks in the draft. Um, I think it'll be very interesting. However, I am now going to shake things up for the first time. Uh, and I'm going to jump down a little, the, the list a little bit with my second pick, the, you know, the first pick in the second round. And I am going to stay with a theme here, right? So round one, I picked the Bulldogs of Yale. Round two, I'm taking the Bulldogs of Georgia. I'm jumping down to take the University of Georgia's A team. Uh, this was a tough one because we've oh. got some damn good teams left on the board. No, but I had a hunch. Yeah, I had a hunch that if I didn't take Georgia here, they weren't making it back to me. So tough luck, guys. George, the Bulldogs of Georgia are coming with me. They've had such a good year. Uh, they're such a deep program. I think their style and not, not just like in a stereotypical, we're in the South, they're in the South type of way. Just generally, I think they're like sharp, precise, engaging style could play really well with this case. I bet they'll have some interesting objections. I bet they'll have some really fun witnesses. So I hear your groans. Sorry, guys. Uh, this is how the snake draft works. I'm taking Georgia, putting them on the board. No, I definitely was going back and forth myself with how high Georgia would end up. You know, they're, impressive victory over florida at orcs was a big thing for me and just and just watching like i've had the pleasure of being able to see like brian walker justin jew compete and i think that they're one of the sharpest teams out there um i was hoping that someone would i was debating myself saying i pick the bulldogs and then do a very long pause just to build some suspense (laughs) and i see you get to get to have that honor today Yeah, I got to echo what was just said. I mean, Georgia is such an excellent team. And Ben, I think that that is a great steal, um, at your, at the fourth overall pick. I will admit that I was debating whether I needed to take them in the second round here or if I could wait and try to get them in the third. Um, but clearly, um, you know, getting it off the board early is, is probably a good choice. I think that they might, uh, they might prove to be a, a final round contender. Um, with my second overall pick, though, I'm going to go ahead and go all the way out to the West Coast and take UCLA A. Um, I, I think that when you talk about teams that are just always, and I mean always, in the running for the final round, UCLA is just always in that conversation. I feel like they are second or third on in their division every single year, and they're going to break through. They're going to be in that final round one of these years, and I think this might be it. They've had some amazing showings at invites. They did really, really well at Orcs. A piece of me was like, do I want to take their B team? Their B team has looked so good, but I'm going to go ahead and take UCLA A here. I trust the talent. I trust the coaching. I trust what that program can do. And I think that this could be UCLA's year to finally make it to that final round. So I'm very excited to have them as the second team on my squad. Yeah, Drew, I think UCLA is a fantastic pick. Hard to go wrong with a program with as much depth as that. Um, and you just like, you know, you, you never know with UCLA um, and, you know, like their style coming over to the to the south and to the southeast and everything, but but they they win everywhere. So you got to think they're going to be strong. All right, Henry, we're back around to you. And so if you want to react to that, go for it. And then you get two picks in a row. 
Yeah, I definitely think UCLA is a smart pick. I have a lot of great memories of competing at uh, the Grand Old Tournament in Nashville and just always seeing UCLA, you know, uh, with both their teams, um, given Grand Old's uh, historic uh, format, uh, UCLA really bringing in uh, a tour de force of mock trial. So this is pick number six, right? That's correct. Man, I uh, Drew really lucked out not having a sna- not having to do his back to back. What I will do is I will take uh, mine a little bit uh, from the West Coast to the East Coast, and I'm going to have to go with uh, the University of Virginia as number six. Uh, for me, I think you know in the new case era, Virginia has proven itself to be one of the most consistent teams in this era, and I think given the squad they have now and the record that they've built over this season, I mean, you go seven and a half at Oryx hitting two Nationals teams, Haverford and George Washington, and American A, who many believe to be, you know, a a Nationals caliber team, the win at Gamte, GCFI, like, we're just hitting and taking two to three ballots from some really big name schools. I think Virginia is going to be a very safe and consistent pick. Um, they've gotten some witnesses, Julianne, who's gotten awards throughout the season. So I'm really excited to see how they adapt to the new case, um, given that, you know, they have such a good track record at tackling new cases. Yeah, I, I got to just, I'll say really quickly that UVA is a excellent pick. Um, I think that, uh, I don't know that many people will remember this, but I called that Ethan Marks was going to be a crazy force in mock trial back when he was in high school and competed against one of the teams that I was coaching at Empire. And he was phenomenal then. He's phenomenal now. And UVA uh, beat Haverford in Orcs for good reason. They were phenomenal. And I, I think that it's a great pick, honestly. I, you can't go wrong with them, Henry. Yeah, they're such a deep program. They're so clean. Um, they've had a lot of success with the, uh, you know, with the nationals case format with having like a short period of time for nationals and especially a case like this, this is, that is going to require such polish and like, like being clean, but, but both theory wise and witness wise and just legally, I, I could see it being a very strong run for them. So solid pick there, Henry, and you're still on the board who you got next. Okay. Coming in number seven, I'm kind I'm going back and forth because for me, you know, there's a lot of teams. There's obviously a ton of great teams on the board, but only so many that I've been able to uh, kind of find in my own research, see in my own personal observations. I think the team that stands out to me for number seven, though, is Emory. You know, Emory, GCFI, runner-up. They took two or three ballots over Harvard A at GCFI, and they really have a bunch of stars. You know, All-American Daniel Jacoby uh, is the big name, but... I think if you were just to stop there, you'd really be doing yourself a disservice. Like Guy Bearson, Reyna, just a really talented and clean squad um, that I had the pleasure of seeing them at regionals and really thought that they managed to take a unique case or a, take the Kohler-Campbell Air case, make it simple, presentable, but not, you know, still a little bit different than everybody else was presenting it. So given that and their track record, I have high hopes uh, for Emory and the Legal Eagles. I think that's them uh, <laughs> uh, to uh, make a splash in Memphis. 
Well, I, I can certainly say that Emery is another one of those picks that I had on my board of, you know, where are they going to go? Am I going to be able to steal them in, in like the, the third or the fourth round? And uh, clearly I could not. Um, but, uh, you know, another really, really solid pick. Uh, I, I will go ahead and just keep moving us along and take us to my third pick. And I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't think this team would still be on the board here. But uh, I, I got to take Tufts. Look. Tufts is up there for a reason. They are really, really creative over there. And they always come up with just the most interesting and fun theories. And especially when it comes to something like nationals, I think that that pays off in droves because having a, you know, kind of the, the different, the most interesting theory um, can really make a big difference for differentiating um, at this stage. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think there's a reason why Tufts, is constantly coming in second in their division. Um, they just always are racking up the ballots and they're just kind of getting unlucky that they're on the wrong side of the division swap um, to make the final round some of the time. So I, I think that I feel very comfortable taking them as my third round pick. I frankly think that it's a bit of a drop for it to have gotten that far um, and them still be on the board. So I'm grateful to have them uh, as part of my squad. Uh, ben, if you want to go to your third round, it's all you. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those situations, if anyone out there has done like a fantasy baseball or fantasy football draft, where you're one pick away and you're like, don't take them, don't take them. And then you hear that little noise that like, toot, 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 that's like, oh, that person took them. You're like, ah, yeah. I mean, I was shocked. I think Tufts only made it this far because, you know, like we're trying different creative things. I I, I have a sneaking suspicion this could be their year. Um you know, I have some theories about that and why that is. And who knows that, you know, weird things happen at nationals. But Tufts is just incredible. And and I think that, that they're an easy pick at the first round or at this point. Uh, so I got two picks in a row now. My first one is another easy pick. Uh, if you hadn't taken Tufts, you probably would have taken this team. And that's Patrick Henry A. Um, not a whole lot that I can say about Patrick Henry that hasn't already been said clean, strong style, always does well at nationals, almost always finishes in the top three or four in their division. And you got to think one of these years, there's going to be a breakthrough. You know, they're not a Southern school per se, but I feel like Patrick Henry can kind of adapt their style uh, to anywhere in the country. Uh, and and I just really think that they could have a lot of success. So my third pick, of course, is is Patrick Henry. Uh, and I think we can just kind of keep on moving here and, and, and I'll go to my next pick in a second. And obviously when it gets back to you guys, if you have any thoughts on anyone who's come off the board, uh, you can talk about that now. So, uh, this is a tough pick. Um, you know, Patrick Henry, I knew who I was going to take, but now we've got nine teams off the board. A lot of the top six or seven teams, you know, who've been taken and I've really gone back and forth and I actually don't a hundred percent know who I'm going to choose at this point. Um, and I think. I think I'm going to trust my gut a little bit here. Um, and I'm going to go down the board again and I'm going to go Michigan. Um, no way, no way. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I really, yeah. Well, I, I really struggled. I had a couple other teams. I almost took another higher TPR team. I think Michigan is underranked because of some wacky stuff that happened in Cincinnati last year. Uh, I think they've had a ton of success and I really think that their style could play well uh, in Memphis. So sorry if either of you were looking down the board at Michigan, but I'm putting them on as my fourth pick. 
I'll only say real fast that, you know, we've had the pleasure of hitting Michigan at Orcs and was, I was very, very impressed with them. I, and you know, they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I'm excited to see them. All right, Ben, I like to say, I was like, Oh, I'm going to have this, like really diving down on the boards. Like, you know, (laughs) really get all the accusations of, Oh, you took the top two TPR teams. Like I was going to get it out of there. It's going to take Michigan, and then here you go, just ruining my plans. I I like, I need a second. Who am I going to take now? That was like, oh, I was so excited to take them. All right, well, I got to say, if I am looking at the board, um, I I think that I'm, I'm kind of liking this, this vibe I have of the, the Northeast and then the West Coast. So, in keeping that spirit and avoiding the South and the Midwest, I'm going to go ahead and take UC Berkeley A. I'm kind of also following this trend of like not being afraid of the teams that their B team made it and their A team uh, is, is you know, whether taking the bid or however that's going to work. Um, and I, I, you know, Henry, I know you actually mentioned that before. So maybe you'll have thoughts on me taking Berkeley here. But Berkeley just has had such an amazing invitational season. And I, you know, I trust that if, if whatever team they send, and I, I do believe it actually is going to be mostly their B team. Um, I have a feeling that's going to be a really good B team then. And I think that they have potential to make a run. And I just, I honestly haven't seen them go personally, but when there are enough invitational results that are as promising as they've been, I just feel very encouraged by that team. And so I think that they are probably a team that is um, maybe, maybe not the TPR that they actually are showing just because it's going to probably be most of their B team. Um, but I still have faith, and I think that that Berkeley is going to be really, really scary. Um, and I, I think that they could make a run, and I, I, I feel very comfortable picking them here with my fourth pick. I, I definitely would. I definitely think that's fair, and I don't think I, I shared as much concern kind of with with Cal. I remember hearing either seeing them post on Instagram or maybe it was in the Discord that they had made their decision on roster pretty early on, like maybe right after closing ceremonies of works. So I don't think they had the uh, potential shakeup that I think a lot of programs that have had. And I know like I've experienced myself seeing it happen. So I definitely think that, you know, they're not going to have that kind of uh, kind of internal turmoil that could happen in some schools like that. And I think they're then able to hit the ground running the second they get the case. Yeah, I'll just add this about Berkeley and then and then, you know, Henry, you've got your last two main picks coming up and I'm interested to hear what they are. We hit them at GCF. Uh, they won that tournament. Just always so good. And I know that was their A team, but, but I think programs like them and UCLA, both their A and their B are so good and they play such interesting styles. I, I wouldn't have any hesitation taking them, even though I believe it is going to be their, their B team there. So they're going to be fantastic. Um, and then, uh, I, I don't think there's much else that I have to react to. I, I will say just jumping back a little bit, Henry, I love your pick of Emory. They were definitely on my short list as well. So I think they're really interesting. And now you get to take your last two main teams before your dark horse. So I'll toss it back to you, Henry. Okay. So I'm also going to go a little bit further down the list. I think there's a team. Uh, there are two teams here that I think have been uh, kind of not talked about enough and seeing them, not just their A team, but kind of the way their program works, I think is well suited for this case. So my, uh, I forgot how many picks we've done, but my pick this time <laughs> is going to be uh, Wash U in St. Louis. Mm. Wash U, um, I remember seeing their B team during the COVID season um, and thinking to myself, 
this has to be one of the smartest team smartest teams in Ampta because it they I saw them hit a team who ran a crazy theory and with surgical precision dissected every single stretch of an affidavit that was made every inconsistency every hole that could be flipped and I've seen that theme continue uh we got to hit them at GCFI and again saw a very tight optimal case theory that like checked a bunch of boxes um and really i think they're going like a fifth place at gcfi incredibly talented um a very very strong attorney bench that i'm eager to look for uh eager to seeing more about at nationals and hopefully seeing them get to crack uh near the top near the final round yeah love that pick um glad you got them off the board before we got to the dark horse portion because it would have been kind of silly um, well, I think they're they're not quite far enough 17. down. Okay, so they're not in the dark horse portion, but great pick. Obviously, some pedigree there, but also just such a really, really well run team. We've hit them a couple times this year, and they're fantastic. So don't you I love dare them. the team you have highlighted, Henry? Don't you dare! <laughs> I, I, I am. I forgot that we share oh. we're sharing the scoreboard. But the last one, I got to go with the hometown heroes of Rhodes College. No, <laughs> mm. and I have to. Uh, I um. Rhodes obviously, you know, gets them to compete in their hometown, third place at Gampty, um, and eager to kind of reclaim uh, some momentum. You know, they they missed nationals I think a year or two ago, um, and were eager to get back. And I think they came back in full force. I'm very excited for them because you know they're one of the schools that I have. I am always always excited to see. I always expect a clean, well put together uh, trial, um, and I think having to be able to do it in your hometown, especially in a case like malpractice where jurisdictional rules and like local knowledge really matters. We've had a lot of scrimmages where we've had judges come to us afterwards and they say, like, you know, we're using Zoom judges from all over the country. And they're saying, actually, this thing that uh, Mr. Gold did is per se malpractice in our jurisdiction. Um, And so I think having that local knowledge will be essential, very, very helpful uh, in preparing a case like this, especially if you get to know what the criminal defense bar is like uh, that the judge pool is coming from. You know, that that is a very interesting insight on on just yeah. why having the, the home field advantage may be extra beneficial this year. But I mean, I think that's a great pick. I also was about to pick Rhodes if you didn't. Um, I do think that there's uh, you know a lot of help to being right in your backyard. But I also think that Rhodes is on the warpath of proving um, that they belong at Nationals, that last year was a fluke. Um, I, I love it as a pick here. Um, okay, so I, I'm going to I'm gonna kind of speak through my reasoning here as, as I make my pick, because I'll, I'll say that my first thought is that I look at the board and I see Florida A hasn't been picked yet, and I'm like, come on, Drew. Like, you just, you got it. Like, they're just too good. They've had too good of a season not to pick them. And then there's another piece of me that says there's this other team that I really want to pick that I think I want to pick that I could wait for the dark horse round, but I don't think they're a dark horse. And I think that as much as my gut tells me I should be taking uh, Florida, I got to take University of Wisconsin. And I'm, I know that I could take them as a dark horse, but I'm taking them now. I don't want to risk Ben ruining my plans again. <laughs> University of Wisconsin I mean, what's so crazy about the story of their program is that, you know, 
last year, they come out of nowhere and make nationals and not really out of nowhere because everyone knew Kate was coaching them. And we all know how great Kate is and no shocks that they made it to nationals, but it is their first year as a program making it to nationals, huge success, yada, yada, yada. Then they come to regionals and their A team doesn't make it out. And we're all like, what is going on? Their B team, you know, gets the bid. We're like, okay, maybe there's a shot. And then that works team comes in and crushes it is the top bid out of their you know, very difficult orcs with a lot of really solid teams, uh, you know, beats Chicago, who was the first pick in the draft. Like, how can I not be picking them in the first round if they're the team that literally beat Chicago? Uh, so I, I got to go with Wisconsin here. I trust in Kate Hayner Slattery to put something crazy together. They have a ton of talent on that team. I think that they can pull it off, and I'm really excited to take them with my fifth pick. I'll just say I love that pick. Um, I think it's a great pick. I was not going to take Wisconsin, uh, but I mean, I certainly thought about it. We were in St. Paul and saw how dominant they were. Uh, and they're just such a fun program and, and we really like hitting them. They're always really friendly and kind and, and, and Kate is obviously fantastic. And Henry, going back to your pick, I almost, when I took Michigan, I almost took Rhodes. That was like the two teams I was between. Um, I think the hosting can be a double-edged sword because obviously you get the benefit of knowing the local community, but also, you know, it's a tremendous responsibility to host nationals. And, you know, Anna Eldridge is one of the absolute best coaches in the country. And presumably she's going to have to be dealing with a million different things. Now, obviously Rhodes has such a deep infrastructure. They have a lot of other people who I'm sure are helping with both coaching and running the tournament. But I just wonder, you know, if maybe that could, could make it tough for them to break all the way through, but that, that also could just mean that they're going to win the whole damn thing. I, I truly don't know. Um, my last pick is pretty easy. Drew didn't take them. I'm taking them. I'm taking Florida. Um, I almost took them my last round, uh, you know, to have them still on the board this late in the game, you know, just no doubt in my mind, they're the team to take. We say it every year, you know, they're just so well coached. They're so well run. Uh, they, have, you know, every Florida team, you don't want to hit Florida a, you don't want to hit Florida E. Um, and I could really see their, their cleverness and their creativity pay off in, in a case like this. So uh, that completes uh, my five um, and that actually completes all of our fives. And so now we're going to snake back around. They'll stay with me and we'd get our last pick, which is our dark horse pick. So as I mentioned earlier, this has got to be a team in the bottom 24. And I have the unenviable position of sitting here in a dark horse situation where both of both my co-hosts and our guests have teams on the dark horse list. So I want to acknowledge, first of all, that I'm not taking either of your teams, but I could, and I almost did for both of them. Uh, but I thought it'd be a little bit more fun to try to do something a little bit more out there, even though I think that both of them would be excellent picks. Uh, so I did some studying. I, I looked down the list and I went back and forth on who I wanted to take. And my dark horse team is the university of California, Santa Barbara. Um, now, Calling them a dark horse is a little bit of a stretch. They're not that far past 24. Um, but I think they get overshadowed by some of their UC counterparts in UCLA and UC Berkeley a little bit. Um, but they are a really, really impressive team. Um, they're ranked 40th in the country. Uh, and I just hear good things about the way they do things. It's been many years since we've hit them, but I just, I have a lot of respect for their program. I think that they have a lot of success. They did well at orcs with a tough schedule. They went eight and oh at regionals. Um, and it just, it's just kind of a gut reaction thing. I think UC Santa Barbara could make some noise, could have an interesting time at nationals. So my dark horse pick is UC Santa Barbara. 
that's my draft. Those are my six. Uh, Drew, I'll kick it back to you uh, for your dark horse pick. Well, I, I must say that I, I support the Florida pick, Ben. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I will I'll briefly say before I get to my dark horse pick that the fact that Northwestern didn't get picked is is almost yeah. bewildering to me. And I will just I will shout out that I, I do think they're going to do very well. And I think that it is uh, pretty impressive that we managed not to take them. There are a number of other teams in that top half that I think are also going to do great. I'm excited to hear how Ohio State does. I think they're going to be excellent. Um, I'm not going to go through the rest. But anyway, um, my dark horse pick here, you know, again, like I, I could have just taken Wisconsin as this, but I, I wanted to give them the credit that I think they deserve, and I don't think that they're a dark horse. My dark horse here is going to be a team that I have really been talking about the whole year. I don't really think that they are going to be um, a final round contender. or even, like I think that for them, placing is going to be like a, a, a huge accomplishment. Um, and I'll say that this is their first time I learned. Actually, this is their first time ever making it to nationals. But I had the privilege of actually meeting their coach at nationals uh, for the law school uh, competition. And so I'm going to go ahead and take Arkansas. Um, I've been high on them all year. I met their coach. Their coach was awesome. Um, I think that they are doing a lot of things right over there. And I'm going to trust my gut. I've been talking about them all year. And you know what? When you when you trust in a team, you got to keep your faith in them. So I'm going with Arkansas here. I honestly don't know a ton about them other than their results that they've had, as well as meeting with their coach and speaking with him. But they seem like they know what they're doing over there. So Arkansas, you're my dark horse uh, for the last time this year. Um, but I hope you keep proving me right. Drew, I, I almost took Arkansas just to keep the trolling going because I had a pretty good sense that that was your uh, your dark horse. I, and I didn't do it. I just want to put for the record, I didn't do it. Uh, so, Henry, I'll kick it over to you for any thoughts. And then, of course, you get the last pick. No, Arkansas has definitely been uh, on my radar, not just because of the mock review, because, uh, but because of the dedication I've seen out of them. I, I think it was last year we hit them at uh, Red Cedar which for those of you who are not in the Midwest, um, Red Cedars held in East Lansing, Michigan. And hearing that Arkansas drove from Arkansas to, for, to an invitational in Michigan uh, was so bewildering to me. And it reminded me of just, you know, what I really do love about this activity, which is if you want it badly enough and you, and you work hard, you've got, you know, you can put the wind at your back and give it a good run. Obviously, with all the luck, hopefully butting your, cutting your way. But as a mentor of mine once said, the hardest working teams tend to be the luckiest. The other note, the other note I will add here is that um, uh, Notre Dame, you heard, you didn't get picked. Go back to practice. <laughs> um, for my I like last, it. I love it. I, I can do my last pick unless any of you guys want to be heard. No, all, all you. Okay, this last pick is tough. You know. We're at the national championship tournament. Everybody is here for a reason. And I'm a firm believer in, you know, with a few rare exceptions, it's almost never who you think it's going to be. I think I saw some post that was like with, in the past couple of years, you know, you had the two cases with the new case uh, framework come out. You had this battle between Yale, UVA, Harvard for just a couple of years. And then Miami comes out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere but wasn't considered one of those top three. 
And so I'm always an advocate in thinking that everyone here has a chance. You never know what way it's going to cut. As the case itself says, this subjectivity in this game can be mind-boggling. Um, but I think with my last pick, I'm going to go based on my own personal observations from early on in the season. I pick the University of Cincinnati, the Bearcats. Mm, I the, like it. The reason I pick Cincinnati is because I saw them at Mock at the Rock, um, which is a Northwestern's tournament. It's early November, late October. Um, and they were stacked, uh, you know, pretty early on for a lot of programs. But I just remember seeing them just so crisp and clean. And that always stood out to me. And I think will be a big, big difference in this case, given how factually complicated it can be, given the how short each of the affidavits are, which, you know, is going to require teams to think very creatively if they want to separate themselves. Cincinnati's polish, poise, and presence gives me a lot of faith that, um, you know, they're coming to Memphis with a plan. The few times we've seen Cincinnati, I've always been impressed. We hit them uh, last year at regionals. Um, you know, we ended up at the same orcs as them and they got through as well. I think they're a really well-run team, a really well-coached team, talented witnesses. Uh, so I think that's, I think it's a solid pick. I think that they could do well. Um, so just to sort of wrap us up here and then I'll kick it to you guys for any final thoughts. Um, I'm sure our wonderful social media manager will put these up on social media so people can rip us to shreds. Uh, but just to <laughs> review here, Henry's got Chicago, UVA, Emory, Wash U, Rhodes, and Cincinnati. Drew's got Harvard, UCLA, Tufts, Berkeley, Wisconsin, and Arkansas. And Ben's got Yale, Georgia, Patrick Henry, Michigan, Florida, and UC Santa Barbara. Uh, 18 very good teams, and the other 30 teams we didn't talk about, also fantastic. Really, really great field. Uh, Henry, it was, it was fantastic having you on the show. Thanks for coming on and, and sort of kicking all of this around with us. Uh, so we really appreciate it, and, and best of luck to, to Notre Dame at Nationals. We're excited to hear how you all do. I know that Notre Dame's name wasn't called in this draft, but I would not be shocked at all if your squad takes home uh, some serious hardware this weekend. So so best of luck. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me on. It's been a blast. Yeah, we love to have you on. And, and Drew, uh, same to you. Good luck to your Haverford squad. Uh, I, I actually genuinely almost took them in the Dark Horse because I really do think that they could make some noise. Uh, I think that they're really good. I think they're really smart. Uh, so good luck. And I'm sure you're looking forward to seeing uh, how they do at Nationals. I couldn't agree more. And I, I will quickly say that, you know, I I debated for a long time taking Notre Dame as my Dark Horse. I kind of, I just felt like, you know, what am I going to say? Like, oh, Henry does a really good job over there. And like, they have good competitors. <laughs> I mean, it just felt, I was like, nah, come on, let's be more interesting than that. But I'm sure they're awesome. And I'm sure you guys are going to do great. I, I, our only downside is that, uh, you know, we are probably the second best football school at this tournament. We have to give a little bit of credit to Georgia there, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, second best football school, as long as it's not the playoffs. Um, oh, <laughs> sorry, rough, sorry, sorry, rough, rough, rough. <laughs> Look, also, you, you Ohio State? Up, right? are, are, we, are you going to seriously say you're better than Ohio State? I don't know. I don't want to talk about Ohio State. <laughs> I do yeah, not want to talk about. Excuse me. I do not want to talk about the Ohio State football. Is what I should yeah. say. Yeah, mm. that's probably for the best. <laughs> well, if if mock trial was measured based on football, this would be a very very different sport. Um, <laughs> well, either way, it's been 
a lot of fun. Obviously, Henry, this was awesome. Thanks for coming on. This draft was really cool. It might be something that we, we keep around in future years. Um, but obviously we really appreciate everyone listening. Best of luck to everyone at Nationals. If you're hearing this, Nationals is probably about to be underway. And so we really hope that everyone has a fantastic time. And before we know it, we will have a new national champion and hopefully Drew and I will get a chance to chat with some folks from whomever that is. So thanks everyone for listening. Best of luck to everyone who is competing at Nationals. And until we talk to you again, this has been The Mock Review with Ben and Drew.